0: On this episode of Penny's Going In Raw, we get back to the basics and discuss how we're going to maneuver our way through the rest of the quarter after dealing with the low float sell-off.
1: Hey yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew.
0: Atlas trading, what the f*** is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob four percent, baby. No way. Four fucking percent. by the f***ing dip. Hey, who told me about Ibex?
1: Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade.
0: You find out likes this game of pennies. Dude, did you check the one? portfolio? Pennies, pennies, pennies. The margin for error is so small.
1: I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. Them two guys putting their work to make
0: y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan. The idiot dips. And you Honey,
1: produced by Vinnie Strokes baby.
0: Welcome back to the Penny Stark podcast presented by the Blazing Chronicle. Today is Monday, September the 7th and we get to enjoy a 3-day weekend. And look, I know we promised an options podcast So it's going to happen next Sunday. Hugh's going to take us through the ins and outs and options. But we felt like this is a very important topic as the big sell-off this past week was quite spooky.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We really did want to do the options podcast, but we felt like this was so important for everybody to hear. um, Because the last really, what, week and a half has been pretty rough on the market, um, especially Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week.
0: Especially for penny stocks.
1: Exactly, but we talked about this. We needed this, and also Happy Labor Day, man.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's been uh, yeah, it's been such a wild ride for swings. Like some of the prices on some of these stocks are like unimaginable. If you told me like SXTC was going to be twenty three cents a month ago, I would have I would have called your bluff, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, exactly, and and that's the thing is that we're always praying for a dip and we're always playing for new place. Guess what? Now we have so many new plays because the entire mark the entire penny market sold off. The like the find me something that was green on the week, and it probably had like FDA news, but like nothing was moving, everything was selling off. And honestly, it's awesome to look back on because now we have so many plays.
0: Yeah, it's like it's such a good time for all those ones that you're like, ah, I wanted to get in this business too late. Well, it's probably at a new low right now. There's actually a good bit of stocks like 52-week lows. I know I keep saying SXTC, but it is actually like I'm pretty sure 52-week low right now.
1: Exactly. In the moment, I was pissed about it. I was like, oh, man, this sucks. Like I'm not making any money. Um, but now looking back, I mean, it's awesome. We love playing bottom out plays. And now we have so many of them. It's like, what was it, March or April um, after that huge run when we had that huge dip that, and then that V recovery. I mean, we had so many plays to play. We were doing like a hundred percent of the portfolio every like three weeks.
0: So yeah, that that was that was such a good time to be alive, man. But but yeah, I mean, while the market is like this, I know I'm I'm skipping ahead and saying uh, you know don't don't be trading as much. Don't want to force any trades. But a good thing to do when it is like this though is while you're kind of sitting and waiting, is to try and learn some new things about trading. And I know a lot of people have. Been messaging me a lot about SEC filings. They they want to know what's important. They want a section on it. So I feel like before we gotten in, get into the the real meat and potatoes of this episode, could you kind of go over some of the different types of SEC filings that you find most important to read, and then maybe some of the stuff you look for in them?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. So we we get so many questions about SEC filings, and it really is an art to read some of them in a quick manner and um one guy that we have in the atlas who is an absolute beast at it is called verde that dude is just on top of sec filings the second that he that they come out it's like I, he has to read them in like two seconds and he understands them fully that being said Some really important SEC filings are 8Ks, and so that is when the company is releasing a press release. And no matter what, no matter how small it is, you always want to have alerts on for 8Ks because that's when the company is press releasing something. Most of the time, I'm going to go on the limb here and say, most of the time an 8K is a good thing. but. When they go bankrupt, they do a filing. When they're doing like a fiduciary um, notice, they'll do an AK. So it's really important because most of the time they are good. But, 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 but any press release that the company files comes through an AK. So an AK, in my opinion, is one of the, is is the most important filing. Um, not the most important, but that's the one that I get excited when I see
0: 8Ks are like 401Ks that haven't grown up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and then we, have, so then we have the S's. Um, the S's we usually hate. <laughs> um, unless you're looking for a dip on a company. Like I was looking for a dip on CLSK like three months ago and uh, offering came. It didn't do anything to the stock price. But when you're, when you're eyeing a company and you think it's a little overextended, an offering can be the blessing to get in on a dip. Um, So you have your S1, your S3. Now, I'm not sure if this will work for everyone, but when I was starting out trading and I couldn't remember which, if an S3 would, I couldn't remember which one was a shelf offering and which one was the direct offering. Um, And so how I used to remember it was S1, one comes before three, so that offering was not a shelf offering. Um, The three, the S3, is later in the in, in the numerical standard therefore <laughs> it was a shelf offering i don't know if that'll help anyone and that might not even make sense
0: um I, but love, I love memory tricks like that so it helps me
1: does it okay yeah because that's how i used to remember when i couldn't when i used to see like an s3 come out and i was panicking i was like shit what's on my shares like what's going on even when ktov did an s3 I had like went blank for a second. I was like, fuck, what's an S3? What's an S3? And then, you know, and, and that can really help you, especially if if you if you're a day trader and you see an S3 come out and you see a huge overreaction, you can play that bounce once everyone realizes that that it's a smaller offering and it's a shelf offering. What you know, I mean, like KTOV did like a S3 for like 40 cents and it went to like 32 cents that's an easy 15% return on the bounce back minimum. So you, you know that that alone is its own strategy. So you have your S1 and your S3. S3 being the shelf offering, S1 being the usually at the market. Um, and then, okay, so then something that we gotta talk about is anything with an F, okay? So when you see an F3, an F1, this and things like that, an F6, what all that means, okay, is that it's foreign. So so for instance, when KTOV, I, I know we keep going back to this, but KTOV is headquartered in, I think they're headquartered in Israel and like a lot of biofarmers. And so because they're incorporated in a different country, but they're listed on our stock exchange, they have to file a foreign form. So when you see an F3, instantly think S3. When you see an F1, Instantly think S one or you know anything like that. All it means it's not a different. It is a different filing, but it's an F in front of it instead of an S. Okay, so that's really important. And then we have our 10Q and the 10K. Now you, <laughs> this is really weird because the Q after the 10Q is for quarterly. Okay, it's your quarterly financial reporting. Okay, now it's really weird that 10K you would think that you know it's an annual reporting. So I would think that would be like a 10A instead of a 10K, but it is what it is. So 10K is your annual reporting, 10Q is your quarterly reporting. Okay, and those are the ones that I think it's our most important, especially for what we do. So again, we'll go over it real quick. S1, offering. S3, shelf. 10Q, quarterly reporting. 10k annual reporting uh, 8k is a press release and then of course anything with an f just means foreign so f1 offering from a foreign
0: so whenever you hear one of these is there any of them that you instantly open look at and you control f to go search for a certain term in it like if you see an s1 if you're like or if you see an offering, uh, is the first thing you, do you open it and go search for price per share or at this price? Is there something you do for, uh, each of them? So
1: it it really depends is I don't like to, I, I don't like to do too much filing reading during the middle of the day because I like to focus on the filings. And that's just my, that's just me. Um, I usually like to read them on off market hours, you know, filings, like new filings, not old filings, but new filings. And, um, so the only real time that I'll really open up like an S one or an S three is if it's something that I'm swinging, um, or if it's something that I've been watching and I've been waiting for a dip. Then again, like CLSK a few months ago, I was trying to get in on under three dollars, and they had a they had a um, an S one or an S three. I forget honestly, but um, it dipped. I never got I got like twenty thousand shares, and it then it ripped. It really didn't do much to the price. So I really only do it unless it's something that I want to get into or it's something that I'm swinging. Now, an 8K is a different thing because an 8K is kind of the company is releasing that press release. The company doesn't need a direct format. Now, of course, it, it legally, it does have a format that it follows, but usually the first paragraph is really important. So it'll say, um, you know, blank, blank therapeutics announces that they are initiating a phase three on this drug and then they'll go into it a little bit and then there will be comments from the CEO. And so an AK is really usually easy to read because then you can say okay, cool. They're initiating a phase 3, let me go look into it. It doesn't mean I'm going to buy it now, but for instance, if they say that this is going to take 15 weeks, then in 13 weeks, you know, I'll set a calendar notice and in 13 weeks I'll decide, okay, do I want to play the run up to the phase 3 data trial? Or do I want to hold through the data? Things like that. So I do like to read A case fast because usually they're not too long because the company is just trying to get the information out.
0: Okay, dude, I think that was really helpful. I think that, that sums up quite a lot of them. We can dive deeper into that on a later episode. But with that being said, it is Labor Day weekend. That means it is officially the end of summer, the sweet, sweet end of summer trading and yeah, we, we hope the market takes a turn for the better after the sell-offs we experienced in the past week and a half. So obviously, there's going to be a big transition ahead.
1: Yeah, so that's really important. So we're we, we are at what's called a pivot point, in my opinion right now, because we had a huge sell-off, um, not a huge sell-off, but we did have a we had a pretty good sell-off the last, the, especially the last few days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, So it could go one of two ways, because this is considered the end of summer trading which means that you know usually fda catalysts come back even though um you know algos come back you know hedge fund managers are back at work kids are back in school you know life starts back again so that usually signals that the market's going to be hot again now i can't tell the future i'll never pretend like i can so i don't know what's going to happen but i think that this is a really good time for us to prepare for what the market's going to do because in my opinion i don't think the market will just stabilize i think the market's going to do one of two things either it's going to be really hot this week or it could continue to sell off and we want to be ready for both those
0: with different levels of traders and different styles of traders there's definitely going to be like a lot of different ways for a lot of the newer traders uh what would you kind of recommend they do in in this kind of situation
1: yeah, so especially, and in, in you guys hear it all the time that if you're a newer trader, I always would err on the side of caution, simply because you're a newer trader, you're unexperienced, you're going into a field that you have no knowledge on, and even though so many of us try and help, there's no exper- there's no better teacher in the world than experience, so. That being said, do you want to lose 10% on $1,000 or 10% on $100? Of course you want to lose the 10% on $100 rather than $1,000. So that's why we always say beer money, beer money, beer money. Because until you get that experience, we can help you as much as we want. But when you have to make that split second decision and the stock moves 10, 20, 30% inside that time, you're not going to be like all over your Twitter looking for what I'm going to say. You still need to make that decision yourself. So for newer traders, I would still err on the side of the market's still going to go down. Now, again, I don't know what it's going to do, but as a newer trader, if you have $10,000, I would still keep 60% cash. Okay, So that means $4,000 in, in the market and $6,000 in cash. Now, why? 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 because the last 6 weeks we haven't had much movement in the market things haven't been running 2 to 300%. So, if the market does sell off, then you can buy that dip because the market will get hot again. I'm not sure when, it could be this week, it could be 2 to 3 weeks from now.
0: Yeah, I mean even even if it happens on Tuesday yeah. and you have 40% in and the stocks start to go up five percent, even if it gets to a break apart, where you're like, okay, I'm adding back, I can almost guarantee that price is still lower than what it was a week and a half ago.
1: Yeah, that's a great point.
0: Because everything is, is dropped such an incredible amount.
1: Exactly. That's such a yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's an awesome point. Even if you miss the five percent, you're limiting your risk. So even if the market does turn around, you're still you still have that opportunity there. But if you put 80% of your money on the street and then all of a sudden the market corrects another 20% this week, ouch. (laughs) You know, ouch. So I I would always limit for new traders, I would always, always, always be more cautious than not and limit yourself.
0: Yeah, and it has a lot to do with the mentality of it. If you're used to making $200 a day, know that maybe settling for that 100 is going to be better because whenever you lose 200 it's going to be better to lose 100 I know that sounds so basic, but, I mean, it really is just you're going to have to settle for smaller gains knowing that you're going to be accepting smaller losses as well during a time where losses seem to be happening so much.
1: Exactly, and here's the other thing, is that say Tuesday's hot, well, to, you know, say the market goes up four percent on Tuesday. I mean, it could just simply be a bull trap. <laughs> I mean, the market could just be a bull trap right now. Um, it could be hot Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday it tank. So, as a newer trader, again, that's something that you probably won't be able to sniff out.
0: Are, so, are you are you recommending maybe not as playing it as safe, uh, but still taking? It's playing it safe is in uh, taking as much profits as possible still uh, when this this market does run up
1: yeah, until we see a pattern I, I like to say a pattern um until we see a a good a chunk of time to where the market gets hot again, I would play it safe that which leads us into a great point. How do we know that the market's hot again? I think that that's really important because we do want to be ready. When the market comes hot again, we want to you know, start to put 70 plus percent of cash on the street and we want our money working for us as much as possible. So one really um, sign that I use personally is when I start to see the pre-market runners. If you're an Atlas, then you watch Ricky Bobby most days say, okay, today's going to be a good day there was pre-market runners or today was not going to be a good day. Be cautious. And he bases that not just, he doesn't just pull that out of his ass. He pulls that out because, um, because of the pre-market runners. So when we start to see two, right now, say we, have a, say we have 100% gainer in pre-market based off of really good news. Something else might have FDA news and it doesn't do anything. When we start to see things, like two or three or maybe even four stocks run over 100% in pre-market, that's a pretty good sign that the market is coming back again, because that means that algos are starting to chase up, you know, that things are starting to run.
0: The sympathy plays start to hit as well.
1: Exactly. Sympathy plays start to come back. Bottomed out plays start to run a little more.
0: Yeah. Sectors start. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Things that have been, you know, been beat, getting beat down for the last six weeks are now all of a sudden starting to stabilize. And then maybe if they have an upcoming catalyst, you know, we start to play that. So there's so many options, but a really good sign is when two or three stocks run during pre-market. And, and I'm not saying that if that happens Tuesday, that the market's back, but we are after Labor Day, which is a good sign. And if things start to run maybe three days in a row where things where three stocks run over 100% in pre-market, that's a pretty good sign the market's getting hot again. And again, we don't know if it's gonna be this week, we don't know if it's gonna be next week. Hell, we don't even know if, if it'll wait till October. None of It's not controlled by us, we don't know, but we wanna be ready for it. Because in the same token, we could wake up on Tuesday and the market be down another
0: 4%. Oh God, yeah, circuit break me. Um... <laughs> But yeah, another thing like besides just new traders uh, with the different styles of traders with the swings and, and the day traders, what uh, what differences should you expect? Like with swing traders, when would you want to start adding more? Would you add in chunks? Would you add your old position size when you start to see these pre market runners? Could you kind of touch on that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's really important because swing trading is such a. We, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Is that I like to think about it like the gas and the brake. You know, is that it's a con when you're driving, you're not just hitting, you know, gas, 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 brake. You know, it's a constant, you know, touch of the brake, touch of the gas, touch of the brake, touch of the gas, deer runs out, brake, brake, brake. Um, and so that's how I think about trading. It's not always, okay, I'm going to have 80% of my money on the market. And then all of a sudden the next day, I'm only going to have 40%. That's not how it works. So when you're swing trading and you're trying to see if the market's coming back, okay. Say that you have 50% of your cash on the street right now, and you think, say Tuesday, the market's well, Wednesday, the market's well, and now you're like, okay, I think the market's coming back. Well, instead of taking 50% that you have in cash and putting that all into new positions, instead, add a little bit to your new position on a dip, or if you see that that it's starting to create a new support higher, Add a little bit there. Still take good positions and still be cautious. But if you have three or four positions and you only like to play three or four positions at a time, you can add a little bit to it. You know, add five, add 10% to your position, but you have to still keep enough cash to where if it, if the market sells off again, where you're, you're not going to screw yourself or your portfolio. So I really think that kind of easing into it, you know, think about it like the first date, the first date you're not going in for the kiss. The second date, maybe you go ahead. Go
0: ahead. I was gonna say, Pussy,
1: (laughs) dude. I'm a gentleman, please, please. But a third date, you know, you ask for the you ask her for marriage, you know what I mean?
0: Uh, Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, do we're in the army now? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but so I think it's really important is that same thing like dating and stocks, you know, the first date, okay. You go for
0: So you're not meeting this girl on, on Tinder, you're meeting her
1: at church. Yeah, I am oh dude, come on, dude. I'm a church usher. Come on, what, what am I, a schmook? <laughs> and so I think it's really important that that you treat stocks in the same token is that you know it's not all of a sudden, you know, first date to marriage no no no
0: Uh, yeah (laughs) oh whenever you added like these supports for your swings if you notice these new supports form if they break that support are are you selling your more recent ad for a small loss or do you just hold hold what you had and just be okay thankfully i only added 10 percent and didn't go hard
1: exactly i i i don't sell because that's me because i still believe in the play um But by at, I still hold what I have, but understand, okay, I forfeited a little bit of my average, but I still believe in the play. So that's what I'm saying is that, is that, you know, it really depends. Is the market selling off way underneath your average? Okay, fine. Then, you know, then you'll average down again. Um, but because you only added 10%, you know, you're not really screwing your average. Say you have, say you have 10,000 shares at 50 cents. If you add another thousand at 53 cents, or, you know, 57 cents. Okay. Maybe that moves your average up to 51 or, you know, 50.75. So you're really not screwing yourself too bad, but you're easing into it. It's the same thing when, when we talked about, I think it was on the third podcast, we talked about how do you start to scale up with a bigger portfolio? And remember we were, we were talking about how as your portfolio grows 20%, you know, create, make your starter 20% larger. Same thing with yeah. the market is that, okay. If you think the market's coming back hot again, you know, add 10% to your position, ease back into it. And I think that that's that's what I would that's what I do as a swing trader and I think that that's the most efficient way because you're still adding more to more size, but you know, you're not going to make a million extra dollars off of it, but in the same token, you're not if the market sells off, you're not going to get screwed.
0: Okay, cool. So with that being like how the swing traders would do it, do, would you recommend anything for maybe the day traders or the specific options traders for this transition?
1: Yeah. So, this, so I'll take this in two parts. First, I'll go day traders. Day traders in the same token, like we just talked about swing traders, is that right now we've been harping for the last eight weeks, do not take a full position. Be super, super, super careful with what with what position sizes you choose and what plays you choose, things like that. And that's still true, okay? Now day traders, because you take more positions than swing traders, you need to be extra cautious, okay? You you need to know that the market's heating back up again before you start to take more positions. Because right now, we've been harping that, okay, you should take one, maybe two positions because that's what's going to run. Okay? One, maybe two things are going to run during pre-market, if that. When the market heats up again, there's maybe four, five, six things running pre-market. And that's when like, okay, you can take, you know, your risk reward can be a little bit lower because the market's hot and a lot of things are running. Right now, you can't do that. So. Especially if you're, if you're a day trader and you've only been in the game maybe three years, three years and under, you still need to treat it like a new trader. Okay. Because it's, it's hard to adapt to these kinds of things. So if you're a day trader, still be super specific. But if you start to see four things, three to four things running in pre-market, then that's when you can loosen up the reins a little bit and you can maybe take something where you're like, okay, this could catch. And be really good or this might not catch. But again, the thing that's, you can be wrong, but the thing that's going to save you is your position size. If I was a day trader, I would still keep my position sizes small until we had a good amount of time. And I'm talking about at least a week of the market being hot again before I really started to take. 10, 15, 20% of my portfolio and threw it in a day trade. And so I think that that, that like swing traders, I would still be super specific and I would ease into it. I would be super careful with my position sizes because I know the day traders out there that love to throw 20% of their portfolio every single day at one play. And that, and if that's your strategy, that's fine. But you don't want to do that until you're sure the market's hot again.
0: And then last but not least, those sweet, sweet option traders.
1: Yeah. And so the option traders. Now, when? I don't even know. This market has been an anomaly for option traders especially.
0: Yeah, dude. How does does it feel knowing that if you would have just put your whole portfolio in SPY in August, you would (laughs) have been up like 10%?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's just absurd. And so the volatility. Okay. So usually the volatility does go to large caps and options when, when small caps are really, you know, during the summer, when small caps are selling off and stuff. And especially right now with all the reverse splits and Tesla and Apple holding the market up and making the market run, that has never been more true. The volatility has been like 100 on Tesla options until like December. So that, that's just absurd. That, that's absurd. It's, it's, it's August and options are trading at 100 vol for December expiration. That's just absurd.
0: With Tesla, I think uh, you said they were added to the S&P 500 and you wanted to bet me like a million dollars. I did. It wasn't in thank like God, God we
1: didn't do that. Um, thank yeah, God we didn't I do that. have a
0: different opinion on that. I wish I did take it. Yeah, I
1: know, I know. I was actually shocked because I thought that it was going to be a drop in the bucket. Now, actually, we should talk about that is that I am definitely, I'll be looking more short side on Tesla. On Monday, what what he means is he was wrong. Kyle. I was wrong. I was I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong big time. Um,
0: How does that feel to say,
1: that, dude? I'm fine with A lot him of weight off wall. your shoulders, yeah, dude. So much. I feel so much lighter. <laughs> Um, I, I still do think that, I, dude, come on, dude, who they add? They added like some company called TessinCon
0: or something. Like, what the hell is TessinCon? T- Whatever. They, they probably meant to add Tesla and they were like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Some intern was writing Tesla and spelled it wrong.
0: Dude, and, imagine, imagine, like, you, you like, that would greatly affect the economy and it's like mm-hmm. some intern's responsibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey man, just add Tesla. He's like, got it, boss. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. But so I, I was, I was surprised by that, but, um, I will be looking more short side Tesla going into Tuesday because I, I do think that that was one of the things keeping Tesla up and keeping Tesla running. But for getting back to it, my options traders, um, again, the volatility on the options has been awesome. And the volatility in large caps, period, has been awesome. So if you're an options trader, now this is the time when you need to say, okay, uh, my options strategy has been working well in a great options market. But it might be time to reevaluate as the penny market starts to come back it's time to reevaluate my option strategy and, and you don't have to change anything right now, but you should keep an eye out on it. You know, especially, especially if you really start to see the vol changing in, you know, later options. So like we were saying is that the Vol is trading at a hundred for December Tesla options. When that starts to lower, that should be a good indication that the volume overall in the options market is coming down a little bit. And also now that like it's kind of seems like Tesla's bubble might be burst. And you know, now that now that everyone's done with the whole reverse split, you know, it it might be time to just play with a little bit of caution. And and just a side note, any idiot that tells you that options are easy, just he's fundamentally stupid.
0: Or maybe he's just so smart that they're easy for him.
1: You're right. You're right. It, it, what would his message say? Um, if you think it's going to go up, buy a call. If you think it's going to go down, buy a put. Yeah, to a certain degree.
0: You got 50-50 chance. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so just to wrap that up, basically what I'm trying to say is that don't believe some schmook that tells you that options are easy <laughs> and we'll go into it in a lot more detail next week. I can get really passionate about options. I do get really passionate about options, but just I don't want anybody to lose their accounts and so many accounts blow up. There's like a statistic out there that 93% of options expire worthless or 90% Um and I don't want you guys to be that person. So We'll go into it in much more detail. If you want to try it this week because you've been seeing huge gains, that's fine. Just please, please, please go in with beer money, like a half a percent of your account. And that's really what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, people see the big rewards from it, but you also have to take into account the big risk that comes with it, too. You always hear about people blowing up their account with options. You hear about so many people blowing up their account, but you hear a lot about blowing them up with options. So, uh, yeah, we, we plan to drop a real good one for you guys next week on that. Uh, but to kind of wrap this up after we've kind of figured out how we're going to transition to the the midst in the end of the quarter, uh, we do have some big swing updates. Uh, big moves are made by two of our stocks, EVFM and AVGR. Uh, one a lot better than the other. Uh, do you want to start with the, the good or the bad?
1: <laughs> um we can start with EVFM. So, so the good, <laughs> yeah. So EVFM <laughs> has their launch on Tuesday. Let me just confirm it. It is Tuesday. Real exciting stuff. So just to be clear, my my plan with with EVFM is that I talked to the Morgan Stanley guy. He does think that it'll take that his his price target is still around the thirteen range, which is double digits, obviously but he does think it'll take a little bit longer. So my plan for the short term is going to be to I'm not I didn't like that random sell off on Friday. Was it Friday? That that random sell off was?
0: Yeah, on 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 Friday. So it it opened the week around uh 320 and every day, you know, it popped to around 340 and then the next day it opened at 320 on Tuesday. And then it uh, closed at around the same price. And then on Wednesdays when it really started hitting, it started hitting around that 345 uh, and started easing up. But Thursdays when it really hit the 365 and really started testing some new highs for uh, these recent times. But yeah, Friday when everything was selling off earlier in the day, uh, I did dip into the 328 range and I actually got a good bit down there and it, and it recovered uh pretty nicely and closed on the 350. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So I really didn't like that little sell off even though it was because of the market and things like that. I just didn't like it. Um so my plan going into Tuesday is going to be to have a stop loss around the 340 range just in case, you know, I, cause I because there are hedge funds that do short biopharma um, uh, product launches. And that's what this is. And even though the risk to reward is really good here, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get stupid. You know, if the markets, if if the entire market's coming down, you know, we talk a lot about that, like, you know, risk to reward, but sometimes, you know, trades just don't fucking work. So even though i wanted $5 on it, I'm not going to sit here and be super stubborn about it. So if it opens up and it starts to tank or it starts to really slip inside, You know, I'm going to, I think we're up 25% right now or something or 27%. I'll take my 27% and say, screw it. So I'm not going to be stubborn on this one. I will, however, though, because basically every analyst i talk talked to loves this company, but not right now. They like the company for a month, two months, three months out towards the close of the year, towards the end of the year. So my plan is really to add some inside my Roth IRA um, for the long term. And like I said, for the short term, I still would like over four. We we see we saw a lot of profit takers around the 386 range last week. Um, and I still think that if we could break that range again, then we could definitely see a four. But that like I said, that being said, if the market starts to tank and the biopharma sector goes with it, I'm not going to be super stubborn. I'll take my 25% and be done with it. So I think with EVFM, that's my plan is that I'd like to see over four going into um, the Tuesday and the rest of the week. Um, I would like to see the Fexy product launch be a you know, kind of like a catapult or the rocket fuel that it needs. But again, if the market starts to sell off, I'm not going to be freaking petty and I'm not going to be stubborn. I'll take my 25% and we'll find a new one.
0: Well, wow, you're going to let the the evil bears and shorts win? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, Coward.
1: I know, I know. And, and listen, guys, like I, I really do, I really, really, really do like to be stubborn on my trades. I mean, you guys know that like I trust my DD to the freaking ends of the earth. But sometimes the market conditions aren't right. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. And and to be honest, I'm, I'll take 25. What hedge fund manager wouldn't take a 25% trade? So I'm not going to give up 25%, even though I wanted 100%. I'm not going to give up my 25% hoping for the 100%. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, it can't be, can be greedy all the time. Sometimes yeah. you got to be like Hugh and sell for uh, – even Hugh will sell for pennies, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> um, okay, so on the other side, we had AVGR. open the week around 50 cents. It had the offering last week at, I think, 47 uh, it dipped all the way down to it had steady decline just about every day, and on uh, Thursday it decided it would go from forty six cents to thirty eight cents and close around the forty two mark. And it's kind of consolidated in between the forty and forty two. You told us <laughs> last week in the midweek podcast you were going to give us the update on what we should do, and I'm all damn ears.
1: Yeah, so ABGR is back to where it was from the first offering remember that first big offering like
0: three? yeah when we added up around 42 yeah exactly
1: so it's back there so i love love love
0: love love our
1: risk to reward and tuesday into wednesday if it's here i'm going to triple up my position now that being said it's not a massive position for me even if i triple it won't be a massive position because again for the last six weeks we've been in more protect capital mode than growth mode. So, although I love our risk to reward here, I think the FDA window is around the mid September mark. Um, I think it's. I think I saw estimates from the fourteenth to the twenty first. I, I can confirm that later. But I like where our FDA window is. I love our risk to reward. And the other thing is that, and I and I saw a lot of questions on this. So first off, what's a five ten k? A five ten k in instead of like being a phase three or phase two.
0: Um, oh, that's like a 401k that's like slightly older. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, it's the big brother.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I love this family.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the 510k is when a company, instead of doing a drug, it's a product. So a 510k is when they're trying to get an FDA approved product. And then on top of that, what their AVGR specifically is trying to do is that they're not trying to just get a product, They're just trying to upgrade the current product that they have. So to me, I feel like one, the risk to reward down here is really freaking good because this is where it was during the first offering. And then on top of that, I think that one, a 510K I think has a 60% chance of being approved where a phase three has like, or or to make it all the way through a phase three has like a 17% chance. So already right there, we have better chances. And then on top of that, it's not like they're bringing a new product to market. All they're doing is upgrading their product. So it's like, it's like you guys ever see like the My Mr. Pillow commercials? It's like the My Mr. Pillow 1000. You know, it's just an upgrade. You know, it's the same technology, just an upgrade. So that's why, like I said, I love our risk to reward. If, if, if it doesn't skyrocket Tuesday pre-market or Wednesday pre-market on dips, I'll be tripling my position. Um, now, the other thing is that um, some of the biopharmas in the last three weeks that have tanked have brought the entire market down. So that is something to keep in mind. Like I said, is that right now until the market proves to me, otherwise we are still inside a protect capital mode. So I'm not going balls deep on this. I will be trickling up my position, but that being said, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to be super stubborn on it. I love our risk to award. I love 510Ks and I love that on top of the 510Ks, that's an upgrade instead of a new product market. So I really feel like our risk to award is there, but I'm not going to be super stubborn on it because AVGR has dropped two offerings and that is not usually a great thing. So that's kind of my plan.
0: All right, cool. So that kind of sums up AVGR and EVFM. (laughs) Now stop asking. No, I'm just playing. But yeah, we, we should have some, you know, we, we should see some, definitely some up moves and uh, if EVFM sucks, <laughs> well, we'll just all blame Hugh. That, that, that's about it for, for those two. And I'm still holding a bunch and yep. we'll we'll see where that goes.
1: So dude, speaking about EVFM and AVDR, <laughs> EVFM is a contraceptive.
0: Those are helpful.
1: You had a big Tinder date last night, huh? You know, I it, was, it was hey, last hey, night. Huh?
0: I announced it to everyone on t- Twitter that I...
1: <laughs> no, soon to be head After I steal her ass
0: yeah, it's your sister. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yeah, then we'll trade. That's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, I went on a uh I went on a little adventure with a, uh, someone of the opposite gender. And, you know, we, we, we had a good time, you know, we, did you went pay for out for drinks. we explored the town, we wore masks. Did uh, you pay for drinks? We didn't need dinner. We just, got
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually did. Uh, oh, and, and we, there, there was like a barcade and we, uh, you know, we played a shooting game. Uh, and that was, it was a walking dead game. You know, I, so I defended her. So you know, naturally.
1: <laughs> wow, what a gentleman! Well, yeah, paid I killed, for drinks uh, and then defended. Yeah, her.
0: I had, our scores were one hundred eight to sixteen. I killed so many more zombies than her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, Was she impressed by your big by your big gun? Oh,
0: that was the first. No, I'm just play. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was she was very impressed by my uh, shooting skills, and you know we we had a <laughs> we had a great time. Wow. So will we see her again? Uh, you know, I, it's not important. Uh, you know, you know, I hope, I hope to, you know, we did have a blast. Um, and if you're listening to this, you're the one, that's what I heard. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, yeah, I am subscribed to your, to your podcast. And then she pulled up the podcast app and it was call her daddy and that's it. So (laughs) I don't think we'll have to worry about her listening. No, we had fun. <laughs> we went back to her place, and uh, you know, we we watched uh, a a jail show because that's what I always, you know, make girls watch because you know it's very it's very neutral watching people in prison because it's like, hey, I know you, I know you're with me, but it could always be worse.
1: That's true. That's you know that's a good point. I never thought I never thought about it. And uh, what do you call it? She lives an hour from you, right?
0: Yeah, it's like. 40 minutes but you know i live in like the wilderness man so it's like that's that's pretty that's normal. dedication yeah that's dedication yeah i actually i got so drunk i made her drive the car back to uh to our place <laughs> you call me we love you yeah. all right no don't what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> jesus christ anyways i you know i did see a lot of people want to hear about it so there there's you guys's answer um we do have a scenario to wrap things up do you want to hear it?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing this scenario?
0: Yeah, this guy is uh, actually... He's basically blaming you for marriage issues.
1: That makes sense. I mean, I blame... I,
0: why not? Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, guys. Love the podcast. And maybe I love the Roth IRA episode a little too much. I'm your typical COVID trader, basically. Put in 9K and got it up to around 30K. I'm a pro. So after listening to the Roth cast... I decided to max out the Roth deposit and put the whole six grand in. Didn't think that this would be much of an issue because we still had around 8500 to 9000 in savings. Out of nowhere, my wife decided to total her car, completely her fault, and she now needs a new one. She didn't know about my Roth endeavors, and I was wondering if you, if you thought I should go under PDT or face the issues with an early Roth withdrawal. Thanks, guys. so congratulations on that one man uh how do you how do you feel about that wait
1: this sounds so simple this sounds so simple okay um wait so they have 8500 in savings right
0: yeah no just tell your wife to get a shitty fucking 2004 honda No, yeah i don't think the answer is that simple i was
1: thinking like a 97 honda civic like a 97 honda civic Well, since
0: you made so much in your trading adventure, (laughs) uh, you could either break the world record for being the person to withdraw or your Roth deposit the fastest, the fastest ever. Yeah, and or you could take a little bit of your twenty-one grand that you made and do it that way, and you'd still have your Roth. Uh, Listen,
1: okay. (laughs) Listen, I, I really don't think it's smart to take out of your Roth. I mean, th- just think about this alone. Besides the fact that you have to pay taxes, on top of that, you get hit with a 10% penalty just for taking it out early, okay? So the government basically says to you, you motherfucker, you told me you, worked, you didn't need the money till 59 and a half, now you need the money now, so I'm going to take 10% of your money. It's total bullshit. That's such bullshit on the government's part. So-
0: so so what he's saying is instead of risking $600 uh <laughs> you should just get divorced because if you only have 8500 in savings what's the most she could take from you is what, around 4 grand Yeah
1: I mean listen listen she she should <laughs> love you unconditionally and like just tell her to cut back on like the Walgreens spending or something you know
0: she needs a new fucking car and they don't have money for
1: 97 it. 97 Conduct. You know what? I bet Mrs. Henny would be happy with a 97 Corolla. You know what?
0: Yeah, I bet, May I think <coughs> Mrs. Henny's going to marry you for money and she's not going to be happy with a 97. <laughs> I, I, I bet
1: you're ass she is. I bet she's not going to spend everything at Walgreens and she's going to love the 97 Corolla that I give her. That's what I bet.
0: Okay, yeah, so I don't think he really has an answer with it, but uh, I would like to, you know, um, he'll probably just pay for it because, I mean, it's technically his fault.
1: (laughs) Listen, in all seriousness, don't take it from your Roth IRAs. It's your money, and even though it's only $600, the government, the fucking government, we live in a society where it's supposed to be, you know, for the people, but the government.
0: We do live in a society. We do
1: live in a society. And we're sitting inside a society where it says, where the government's saying is that because you said that you didn't need it till 59 and a half, we, even though it's your money, we're going to tell you that we're going to take $600 from it, okay? Even though they're not holding it for you, they're not doing anything for you except limiting the taxes, but yet you still have to pay the taxes on top of that.
0: Can you redeposit that that year or is it maxed out for the year?
1: Nope, nope, nope. So that's a really good point about IRAs is that so if you guys if, you, if if there's any financial advisors out there okay say that you borrow against your life insurance you can actually redeposit that money at any time on most policies with your iras once you contribute for the year so you know once you contribute 6 grand it doesn't matter what you borrow against that you know you're you're toast you don't get to recontribute that so that's why i say that between between the penalty and between the penalty and the fact that you don't get to recontribute That's why I'd say it's so crucial not to take from it. So if you can, and also you could really finance it. um, You know, obviously interest rates at this time are favorable. If anything, if I hate debt, but if you could get an interest rate that was favorable, then I would probably do that. Um, I, I would honestly, 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 personally, if I were you, I'd pick up a second job. Work at Amazon until you pay it off. But
0: dude, no, just take it out. <laughs> he just made twenty K in his TD Ameritrade bro. That's fantastic. the market slow, Just take a little bit out of that.
1: I, I would just work Amazon for like ten hours a week until you did until you got a new car.
0: Jesus Christ, how about you make his wife do it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Henny would be open. Okay, for.
0: So 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 long story short, Hugh has uh he's he has no real life experience <laughs> froze what I got out of this. <laughs> Um, and that, that's all it is to it uh, next week we'll be coming back to you with an options podcast and it'll be very exciting I'm
1: so excited for and it we'll s- we're gonna learn about the
0: Greeks baby the Greeks we're going back to fucking frat life let's get it <laughs> see y'all